All right, had to send in Bam. We're live. Just a uh, guest, guest appearance. I'm Bam. We're live. Okay, you guys ready? Here the Don. Where is it? You're, wait, you're Caleb. You're Sea Beaver. We're not a cure of the Don. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, Caleb, are you familiar with QuickTime? Mm, I can't say that I am. You should be able to go in there and put export as and, and, and transform it to a uh, oh, MP4. Yeah. But for some reason, mine doesn't have that. I wonder what's going on. I wanted to play this video that I, I ripped off of YouTube. Let me see if I can play it here real quick. But I wanted to upload it into that brand folder on StreamYard. Mm-hmm. And instead, I, this is all I got right here. I think this is the best I could do I had first asked the kid, who are you? At the core of your soul. And if he can't answer that question, our conversation's over. I can't say shit to him. If you don't know who you are, if you don't know who you are, I can't tell you who you are. If you don't know who you are, if you don't know who you are, I can't tell you who you are. Come on. Come on. Honestly, I'm... Bam, I care of the dawn. Have you ever seen any of his stuff? Uh, I just scrolled through it in the past couple of days. I just, I've, I've never seen it myself, but I like it. Yeah, it's 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 pretty damn cool. It's pretty damn cool. It's moving. It's moving. The Jordan Peterson stuff's out of this world. Yeah, it's it's an interesting like I guess mashup if you want to call it that. Yeah, I wonder if he he would take offense to that. Oh, oh, trying to get in. Oh, here we go. He says he's trying to get in. Uh, trying to get in Streamguards hanging currently hanging. Hmm. I wonder if he's using if he's on his phone. Oh. He can't use it on Google Chrome. He'll have to do it on Safari. Oh, really? Okay, I'll tell him. I'll tell him. That's if he's uh, on his phone now. Uh, let me see. This. On your phone, you need Safari. On computer. There he is. Oh, my bad. My bad. What? I, I just didn't get the message off to Akira in time. Dude, you're faster than I am. Good morning, Mister Mr. Don. Good morning. Buen dia, hermana. ¿Cómo está? Muy, muy, muy bien. Oh. <laughs> Good. Uh, has levels and everything. Is this loud enough? Sexy. Sexy. Nice. The, no. only, the only way we do it. I wonder if I can share this over here. Mm. Start the show like this. Uh, it's one of my, one of our friends Darn it, darn it, darn it, darn it. One of our friends sent me something, Akira. It's a, uh, they're hot sauce. They're stickers of hot sauce. Oh, yeah. Let me see. You, are those yours? You made those? No, I don't, I don't make hot sauce yet. I mean, it's on the bucket list. <laughs> no, I, mean, I, I mean, the, uh, uh, I mean, these stickers. I probably shouldn't be showing my email, but have you seen that? No, I haven't even seen this as stickers. Someone, Someone in the community made though, like 
made one of those as like a as a picture. Yeah, I remember seeing that as a picture. I did not know that existed as stickers. That's that's wonderful. Well, yeah. It's nice to be alive. Yes. Um, we started the show with um, your <laughs> release that you did last night. Just so you know, we played uh, 50 seconds of it with uh, Goggins. And who's the other gentleman? The white dude. Oh, that's Tom Bill You. Tom Bill You. Tom yeah, Bill he do, I mean, he, do, he doesn't speak on the track, but he uh, facilitated the conversation. He facilitates a lot of conversations. You know, he's one, he's one of those conversation facilitators that are, are so prevalent in the modern world. I understand. They vary. Yeah. Um, he's good. He got like he got some of the best stuff out of Goggins I ever heard. Is he is he uh, is he from your part of the world? Is he British, dude? Nah, he's American, dude. He does that. Sh- he does a show called Impact Theory. Um, yeah, it's a, it's the whole like what impact? I think his his question and his kind of thing is what impact do you want to have on the world or some shit? Is is like how it's underlined? But uh, he's big yeah, on what, NFTs right like, now. Like um. Like what? What? What influenced you more, the Twin Towers or Uncle Buck sneaking into your room when you're seven? Like two, two, two different kind of impacts, but both could be like just. What kind of impact to you? Yeah, having the world. Now, one of those is easier to pull off than the other. You know what I mean? So respect where respect is due. Do you know? Um, are, are you in LA still? No, man. I've been in LA for a long time. I'm in Mexico. No shit. Yeah. Well, the, damn, I haven't been doing my research good then. When did you That's go to Mexico? Okay. I've been in Mexico since last May, but I left I left L.A. like two months after all the bullshit kicked off in 2020 because I could see which way the wind was blowing. And I went to Texas, which we've been thinking about doing for a while anyway. Uh-huh. So I was in Texas for a year. Um, and then the uh, U.S. government immigration system conspired to have me move to Mexico. Because those are kind of your choices, Mexico or go back to the UK? No, I had a new visa approved. I had a new 01 alien of extraordinary ability visa approved. Yeah. Because of Tom Hanks and the communist Chinese and all their skullduggery. Uh, wait, you have to like, once you get it approved, you have to go out the country, go to an embassy, get it stamped, come back in again, right? Normally that's like a, a week or takes a week or something, right? Uh, but due to the uh, machinations of Tom Hanks and all those weirdos, uh there's like massive wait lists like it was like six months to a year to get an embassy appointment but they're like right you have to get out of the country now like right now this week type thing and go find yourself an appointment somewhere maybe you can get one in russia or mexico or whatever the fuck. and i thought well i always want to go to mexico it's, it's very beautiful uh the weather is good let me go to mexico so I went to mexico and then we couldn't get an appointment until this was uh this time this was like a year ago and there was no appointments till 2022 this so, is nuts. Uh, it's fascinating to me. I want, I want to hear more about Tom Hanks in a second, but it's fascinating to me that someone like you who's jumping through all the proper hoops has to wait a year, and yet if you would have done handled your shit and you're not being rewarded at all, but there's people who are doing um, it illegally, um, and, and yeah, they, everyone's they just can like, come go and go the as they please. Yeah, everyone's like, just go to the border and like, you know, do two of those people do. Um, it's, yeah, it's, hilarious. it's so hilarious. I've ended up going the other way and going to Mexico. Uh, and it's very nice. Here. It's actually delightful. Uh, you know, and like now, the problem is now I got an appointment, but now they don't let you in the US if you are uh, like uh, unvaccinated. Like, uh, really? All that kind of shit going on now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People don't realize that you're actually not allowed to go to the United States of America uh, if you're unvaccinated. It's a thing. 
God, it's so it's so crazy. You think they're ever gonna lift that? What's that? It's funny. That I wonder about all this stuff, right? Because uh, certain things are moving in certain countries, but that seems to be out of um, necessity. The UK dropped their stuff because they were having a massive scandal, and had they not, they would have been dragged out onto the streets and kicked and beaten. So they said, "Hey, we've beat Tom Hanks' disease," and everyone goes, "Oh, heroes!" and forgets that the British government was having massive sexy parties while everyone else was confined to their houses like little little prisoner slaves. You know what I mean? Uh, so it depends on what what's beneficial for the government, what they what they relinquish, it would seem. Bear in mind, you know, September 11th was a long fucking time ago and we still got to take our shoes off at the airport. Right. right. You know what I mean? Certain things do not get turned back around. Other things do. So it's pretty much down to what people put up with. You know, the amount of tyranny you get is exactly the amount uh, you accept, right? Before we go any further, in case we get lost in the show, which could be very easily, could be a fun fun way of holding hands with uh, Mr. Don and running into the maze and getting lost. I want to tell you, you need to go to this gentleman's uh, YouTube account. You can also see him on Spotify. I don't spend time on Spotify, but I would go to his YouTube account and I would start digging through. Uh, I, and I would start, you could start at the top, hit videos and go back in order. You can go back to his early days. He is a creative powerhouse. He um, is, is oozing with creativity. It, it's, it's like pretty obvious. And then make sure you go over to his wiki page also and, uh, and, and check out the history. This is a... Uh, I don't know how accurate that is because I haven't looked at it for many years. This is a seasoned man who's bringing a, a lot of different uh, pieces to the table and it's really really fun and if you re- if you really want to see some just cool shit um, there are two interviews online at least two four probably four he has been on jordan peterson's podcast and jordan peterson has been on his podcast and then aaron eric uh, um he interviews eric um Weins- weinstein weinstein yeah who is that brett's brother yeah yeah, yeah. fucking crazy yeah, he just came what by a my small studio world. one day. It was funny. That again? He just came by my studio one day, and I just like switched on the streaming stuff. So like, <laughs> yeah, like, you know what's funny? It's nineteen eighty. <laughs> it, it's it's nineteen uh, or it's two thousand eighteen. But um, and, and one of the things you guys talk about is how fast things are moving. It's two thousand eighteen. Yeah. The interview, but when you look at the equipment, it, it, for some reason, it feels like it's like nineteen eighty four. You know what I mean? <laughs> just like that's how far equipment's come. Well, it's also because I run everything through fucking VHS filters and old TVs and shit like that. Yeah. Um, So so my shit always looks old, which, uh, you know, covers up many sins. Have you got a Twitter? I I don't know if I have a... uh, I'll take that as a no then. I was just going to tweet this out, but I was going to, I was going to at you if you're... um, I think I have a Twitter, but I only just, occasionally I just, just repost other people's stuff who are hating on, like if you hate on closures, I'll repost your stuff. Okay, that's cool. Cheeto. Um, where in Mexico are you? I'm in Playa del Carmen right now. Playo, uh, pl- in the, Playa del Carmen. It's in the Yucatan on the like on the right side. And you're there with your son? Uh, my wife. Yeah, 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 yeah. And your son's name is Hercules? That's right. My son's name is Hercules. Yeah. And how is- he's at the he's at the uh he's at the vet right now. He he manifested himself a cat. So we're in tech. He always wanted a pet, but we kept like not being able to have one because of our living situations. We're in Texas and he really wanted a cat, you know, he wanted a ginger cat specifically, like a little redheaded cat, you know, and um, we're out here in Mexico. And this exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, he's got to recompensate for all the ones that are getting removed from popular culture. 
And uh, he, this little ginger cat just started hanging outside the place we're staying in. And it would just run up to Hercules when he got back and rub up his leg. So um, they've let us adopt the cat. And he's with the cat right now uh, at, the, at the vet. And the cat moves in officially today. You know, so he's a very happy little boy. He manifested himself a little red-headed cat, little Mexican El Gasso. Yeah, I'll, let me let me expand on that racism a little bit. I I just don't see Mexican cats ever needing to go to the vet in my mind, just the way I have them judged. Well, this one's got to go to the vet because he's got to have his nuts chopped off, and this was a deal I did with the landlady. Like, oh. I'm, I'm I'm against chopping the nuts off of humans. Yes. in general. And I'm yes. not really happy about it with regards to animals, neither. However, I don't know if you know about how much cats, like, bang, you know, how much banging cats do, but one cat can sire a million little cats, right? These street cats out here, because they just do so much banging, right? They just rampage around the place banging. They break, like, cats out here is like rats in London, you know? In London, you know, you're only over three feet away from a rat, they say. Here, you're like, you're less than that away from a cat. You look around, you start seeing them everywhere. They're being exhaust pipes and shit. They're underneath cars. They're like peering out of trees. They are everywhere. The so exhaust anyway, pipe Ritz- cat. What's that? The exhaust pipe cat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Little, the little sausagey little exhaust pipe cat just like peering out, you know? And you-, you see like, you'll see tribes of them, you know, ones that look exactly the same. You're like, I know which nutsack you came out of. So, um, I, I'm, do, you, do you know about the Coolidge effect? Tell me about the Coolidge effect. Um, Calvin Coolidge went to a huge government farm. Do you know the story? Uh, It's related to banging. So basically he went, he went to, he went to this huge government farm in the United States that the government was subsidizing and him and the first lady, Mrs. Coolidge were taking tours of the farm. It was massive. I want to say it was like 50,000 acres. They had everything there, you know, cows, chickens, the whole growing shit, all that. And basically they separated them or giving them separate tours of the farm. And they took Mr. Uh, they took Mrs. Coolidge to see their um, chickens, and they said, Mrs. Coolidge, this is our uh, prize uh, rooster. He has sex uh, 50 times a day. And, and the first lady says, oh, please show that to the president, um, Calvin Coolidge. And so later on, they bring the president in, and he comes in, and they said – this is a true story. And they said, uh, uh, Mr. Coolidge, um, uh, the first lady wanted us to show you this uh, rooster. He's our prize rooster. He has sex 50 times a day. And the president said, uh, with the same chicken? And they said, no, sir, 50 different chickens. And he said, oh, make sure you show that, uh, explain that to Mrs. Coolidge. And hence the Coolidge <laughs> effect. And basically, you can take pretty much any male, yeah. Akira, and the refractory period drops to zero as long as you keep bringing in new women, yeah. new females of the species. I don't even yeah. know if they have to be of the species. Fuck. <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> you probably get a lion to fucking hold down a goat and fuck it. But um yeah, yeah it's it's the the male the male banging prowess is is something. It's something else. Well, it's it's the purpose. Yeah. It is that which is to the purpose. Like everything else is periphery. Uh, you know, everything else is distraction. That's the that's the that's the that's the cosmic point of it all. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's I had um I had this the guy who wrote um you know the um what was the movie the guy's name is Ben Mesrick he wrote the Facebook movie he wrote the oh, book yeah. that was that was switched into the screenplay anyway and, so I watched that movie day. recently and that that's um that's the reason Zuckerberg started Facebook because to get well, pussy to get pussy right. it's just yeah, that's why everyone does in the movie. That's why everyone does everything. That's why the Beatles formed the Beatles. That's why the Rolling Stones formed the Rolling Stones. That's why Mark Twain picked up a pen. But you know but isn't I mean? it funny? My mom, my mom has a Facebook account. 
She's 78 years old, but this product that she's using was developed for um, a young man to go out and scour the world for pussy. It's just crazy. Yeah. That's what everything is developed for. I know. It's you know nuts. What I mean? Yes, yes, uh, yes. This, 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 what we're using right now is developed for, uh, for chicks <laughs> this... to, to stick shit inside themselves on the internet too. I do this show to make money. Innovations. Yes. I do this show to make money to keep my pussy. Yeah, there you go. Oh, I'm going to get in trouble for that. Yeah, you don't. Well, this is it. You know what I mean? Darko Willink went to war uh, to protect everybody's. You know what I mean? Like, that's what it's all about. It's it's, it's about. um, Wow. I like that. Um, So have you 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 have a relationship with uh, Jordan Peterson. He is also one of your instruments. Would that be fair to say? He's an excellent instrument. Yeah. Um, have you, have you interviewed Jocko? I've not interviewed Jocko. Uh, I'm working on Jocko's, the second Jocko album right now. Uh, I can, I will tell you exclusively that, uh, a new Jocko song comes out in like 10 days. Uh, so I might interview him when the new album comes out. Has anyone, have, has, has he reached, I'm surprised he hasn't reached out to you. He seemed, we've been in touch, we've been in touch, we, we, we communicate, but we just haven't done a podcast. Um, yeah. So we well, we, I was thinking the other day we should do one for this one, and that would be a, a beautiful conversation. Particularly uh, <laughs> now, I've adapted more of his ways. You know what I mean? Like when I did uh, the last album, and there's all these songs about doing burpees and shit. I didn't even know what a burpee was. You know what I mean? I I, I literally didn't know what a burpee was. I thought that shit would be like some kind of like gas problem you'd have from doing too many push-ups or something. I don't know. Sure. For sure. Yeah. 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 But uh, when I came out here to Mexico. Uh, I was going to a coffee shop, a beautiful coffee shop called Fat Rabbit, and I had a gym next to it, or a box as they call it. And I'm watching all these people just like I'm sipping my coffee and all these people like picking up heavy shit, jumping up and down. And there's only so long you can watch people jumping up and down and picking up heavy shit before you you go do it as well, you know? Right. And like the only exercise uh, I'd done prior to that really was just like DJing twice a day and jumping up and down and fucking punching people in the head when they got too close to the booth or whatever, right? Uh, that kind of vibes. And um, it turned out this thing was a CrossFit class. I didn't know what CrossFit was, but I went into this thing. And after about 45 minutes, I had to go outside and stand in the middle of the road, just heaving, you know. Oh, that's awesome. Fantastic. And I was like, yo, this is fucking epic. I haven't felt this good since like uh, Solwax gave me these pills that they found inside a motorcycle hubcap that had been there since 1993. <laughs> And uh, it was like the same feeling. It was like the feeling of like 90s ecstasy tablets. You know, and I was like, holy shit. So I went back again the next day and I was out there heaving again. And after about a week, I wasn't heaving no more. You know what I mean? And I've been going five days a week ever since. And now I know what a fucking burpee is. And uh, it's, it's a whole new world. You know what I mean? So, uh, uh, Akira, um, down below, the, the guy with that my mom says has the nice features, uh, Caleb Beaver. He's in, the United, he's in the United States Air Force. I'm a, um, a, a Berkeley super uh, liberal Nazi, and, and and our paths have crossed through. Well, I'm reformed. I'm reformed. Don't worry, I'm reformed. Um, uh, and um, and our paths cross through burpees. Basically, we're both just CrossFitters, and because of that, um, burpee bros. Yeah, we're burpee bros. We were we're separated at, at at birth, but the cosmic world brings all of us burpee people together eventually. And it's it's interesting. That, did you know that when when I invited you on the show? Did you know? No, that I had no idea. Yeah, I had crazy. No idea. And then I was looking at, and then I was looking at you up. And I was like, oh shit, you did PR for them or something, right? Or was it? Or you? Is that we what don't it call it. We don't call it PR. Greg <laughs> Glassman told us we only make things that add value. Yes, yes. Yeah, that's right. Spread the word. Spread the truth. You did. 
uh, mythopoetic storytelling for CrossFit. Yes, yes. Well, well, you did a very good job because it's out here in Mexico. It's like the thing. You know, I I don't work there anymore. I was fired um, when the new regime came in. But Ah. when I was there, um, I I was an executive there and I was extremely intimate with every uh, crevasse, nook and cranny. And one of the countries, I think maybe the only country that we didn't possess the trademark in was Mexico. And it was a big fucking problem. Oh, yeah, it was, that's a, yeah, that's it was right. a big problem because basically we couldn't have any gyms there. I want to say probably for the size right. it is and for how developed it is, it has the, it has the fewest CrossFit gyms because people don't want to pay the $3,000 annual fee to, to keep the name and they don't need to. And I think some guy in Mexico actually owns the name and he tried to like strong arm Greg and sell it to him for like four million bucks. And Greg just really? told Greg was the founder, told him to eat a dick. That's crazy. The gym I go to doesn't have CrossFit in the name of the gym. It's called right. Genesis. But they, what they do there is is CrossFit. I was just, I was just went to get coffee with just now, and they're all fucking there. I'm, ne- I'm not usually up this early, and they're all there, just fucking jumping up and down, going crazy. It's a beautiful thing to witness, and I really lucked out because it's apparently like the best uh, CrossFit gym in Mexico, and people come from all over Mexico to train at it and have competitions. They had a competition recently. I went to uh, the guy who runs it, Alan, is the number one cro- ranked CrossFit guy in Mexico. And I just happened to walk into that gym out of all the gyms I could have wandered into. That's very fucking crazy. Impetus. Uh, uh, will you see if you can find that gym? I want to see it. And I want to see what, I want to see where he lives on the map. Are you, are you said, do you said Playa? Does that mean it's near an ocean? Playa del Carmen. Yeah. Playa means beach. Oh, okay. In my, in my, I'm, I live in, uh, I grew up in Berkeley and Oakland and Playa doesn't mean beach. Playa is something. <laughs> it means you bang. Yo, last time I went to that place, I was uh, I, I was playing an underwear party for like a sexy underwear brand, right? Uh-huh. And, uh, and my wife thought it'd be a good job to like uh, save money on the hotel. So she booked me into a travel lodge. In, and uh, you probably guess where the travel lodge was because uh, my cab pulls up and I step out of the cab. I don't know if you ever saw the first episode of The Walking Dead when he goes to Atlanta. And he kind of looks around him, and from every angle, there is a zombie sort of walking towards him slowly. It was like that. There was a crackhead coming at me from every fucking angle. I went around in a full, like, circle like that, and there was crackers. But they're slow crackers, you know what I mean? So you can yeah. just avoid them real easy. Uh, yeah, anyway, she put me in fucking tenderloin. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> She's like, oh, oh this place is cheap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the um, the uh, I, I say it with all peace and love, but almost no exaggeration. The they're, they're just not the only thing they haven't done yet is kill the Jews. But the Nazi regime has completely taken over San Francisco. It, it is crazy. It is so bad over there. I was out there this, exactly this time ten years ago, and I was playing uh, uh, Isotope Comics. I don't know if you know comic stores, but there's a comic store, a famous comic store called Isotope Comics in San Francisco. It, on hate, on hate, yeah. And uh, yeah, is it on hate? I don't know if it is on hate actually. It's in. Those are the only that- comic book stores I knew. Yeah, it's a, it's like a it's a famous one. It's like one of loads of. It always wins the awards for best comic store in California every year or whatever. Anyway, the difference between when I went there then and when I went there like a year or two ago was was profound. But yes. it's the same in Los Angeles. You know, I was in Los Angeles. I moved there. I was first out there in two thousand five making an album with with um danny saber in a converted masonic lodge uh up on um not now where was it uh up a hill i can't remember the name of it now it'll come back to me uh and then i moved there back there in like 20 2014 
till 2020. And the difference between 2014 and 2020 was profound. I had a studio in downtown Los Angeles and I watched the neighborhood go from just being chill to Skid Row just expanding and taking over everything. There was a guy, I came out of my studio one day, and it's, so, it's just the cognitive dissonance of, of that place sometimes. So across the road from me, uh, there's uh, a place called Rare Kicks, which is an expensive sneaker store, and Kanye would do his launches there and shit, right? So there's a queue of people all around the block queuing up, and they've got deck chairs and shit out, and they're queuing up to get these new sneakers. On the other side of the road, uh, there's a woman in a little sort of like, I don't know, frilly or negligee sort of thing, sort of doing a, being filmed for an advert or something, right? In the middle of the road, there's a guy just curling off giant dumps onto a piece of aluminum foil and then inspecting them. <laughs> oh, well, that's nice. That That's nice that it's not aluminum foil. I will say that. I give yeah, I don't know why he was doing the aluminum foil. He was putting them up. I don't know if he was going to keep them to do something with them, you know what I mean? He's right. in the middle of the road. I saw this guy multiple times. He'd stand in the middle of the road with his, with his um, appendage just spraying into the oncoming traffic just daring them to run him over you know so how dare traffic. you not and did you recognize that as art huh yeah did i mean you, re- you, could, you could call that art right one definition of, of art is anything that uh falls outside of the realm of survival right oh, so if it yeah. isn't direct survival like you know protecting uh extraneous species, shit then you could say that that's art some people say that i think postmodernists say that i think people who want to excuse like dreadful paintings use that but i understand how you could go along with that line of thinking um it's i i just want to say something in case anyone got hung up on my my just huge disdain for for the left where i come from it's this and it's not that i'm hugely for the right but i just want to tell like i just can't be part of the party that's um just hurting so many people but here are the two things they've been doing the same thing for for a hundred years and they haven't changed and they're getting the same results they always are getting getting the same worst results i would say Yes, well, yes, thank you. Bit by bit, it's eroding. and it's Well, not bit by bit, because there's been this crazy escalation over the past decade where it's wildly worse than it was. Same policies, same party, all that, but wildly worse within the sp- between 2012 and 2022. And, and there's a Taoist principle here that you really that people really have to understand. You think you're, you're raised to believe that the Democrats and the liberals are for the poor and the Republicans are for the rich. Mm-hmm. But, but but it's it, it's 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 misspeak. It's mm-hmm. that the Democrats want there to be poor and the Republicans want there to be rich. And so yeah, the Democrats sustain Oscar they sustain that they are the people at the restaurant who feed the seagulls while you're trying to eat. It's complete <laughs> fucking bullshit. They don't give a fuck about anyone. They just want to feed the seagulls. <laughs> and, and, and it's it's not cool. It's not cool. And so seagulls the seagulls descend on your city and they fucking shit on everything. It's they not just want cool. to feed the seagulls is a brilliant name for like a like a emo band or something. I give it to you. I give it to you. They, they, basically, emo, if you want to form an emo band, they they misunderstand helping people. Well, I don't know if they do. The uh, George Orwell's observation was that uh, the socialists that he encountered in London, who claimed to be on the side of the poor, uh, hated the rich far more than they loved the poor. So all their efforts went into sort of like dragging down rather than lifting up. Yes, yes, you know? yes. And, and uh, that is the, the Democrats base their identity on hating the Republicans. I don't know if the Republicans base this, them, their identity on hating Democrats. Maybe they do. No, that's not really my observation. No, it's uh, not in America. Things are different in different parts of the world. But in America, the 
pure vitriol. Saying that it was the same in Britain, I remember now. I was raised as a little socialist. Like by Billy, my parents used to listen to Billy Bragg records, and there is power in a union, and all that sort of thing. And I was programmed. I wish I could hug you. We're both reform. You were raised as a little socialist. Yeah, yeah, we could yeah. hug and be like, "Wasn't it hor- horrible?" Oh, I thought money was the. Re- I thought I was, you know, they just program you to be poor and, and and resentful and bitter forever, right? Yes, yes, yes. And, uh, Resent rich people. Yeah, and you, we were taught yes. that the uh, the right wing party in Britain is the Tory party, and you they're referred to as Tory scum. Mm-hmm. And I was just taught from birth that they were evil, that they were evil and they wanted uh, everybody dead. And the other party were goody goodies and they wanted yes. to lift up poor people. And then you kind of like, yeah, you get a bit older and you, you pay attention. You look at things you're like, oh, that's not actually what was going on at all. Now, I'm not saying that the uh, Tory party are, are lovely, da 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 da, but this comical portrayal of goody goodies and baddie baddies. And that's led to our current predicament because our current predicament has us in this situation where. You're taught from birth that, you know, right is bad and far right is very, very bad. And you thought the left is goody, goody. So far left must be goody, 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 goody. Yes. Yes. You know what I mean, and that's the, that's a big problem we have. And kids are just, you know, you like, and the, the right are very, very bad at uh, branding and marketing and stuff of that nature. So they just yes. need to be able to fix these problems because uh, they're all problems of perception and branding. And, um, you know, Goebbels wrote all this stuff down a long time ago, and you can just go on. The, uh, I was on it yesterday. There's a brilliant one of those quote websites, and it's called, like, inspirationalquote.com. And I've had Goebbels' page. <laughs> Goebbels has a page on, like, inspirationalquote.com, right? And it's just all this stuff about, you know, the glory of, like, uh, how to brainwash people and what, what socialism really is. And as socialists, this is what we're doing. So all these quotes you never hear, like Goebbels of the Nazi party. As socialists, uh, what we're doing is this. Anyway, when I first one of the first times I saw it and I was far from from waking up and seeing it clearly was I was seeing how California was treating smokers. And although I didn't want I I approved of all of the way all the rules, I knew that it was wrong. It doesn't matter if you think you're it doesn't if you're if you're behaving like a fucking fascist in the name of good, you're still a fascist. And I would see the laws that they would be passing on smoking. Like you had, you couldn't smoke on the sidewalk. You had to stand in the street or you couldn't, um, you couldn't smoke in your house if your neighbors could smell it. And I, and it started getting really, and they started taxing cigarettes. And I'm like, you see how that was the warm up for everything that's happening now. Yeah. And do you remember how quickly they did it? Yeah. Like I remember, so I was in 90, whatever it was. I left home when I was 16, just before I was 16. In 96, like just before my 16th birthday, and I was, you know, running around being homeless all over the place for a while. And I was going in and out of pubs, as you do as a kid, and everyone was smoking. But it literally went from, in the course of like two years or something, from everybody smoking to suddenly you couldn't smoke, to suddenly you're a pariah, to suddenly you're out the back, to suddenly you're not allowed within, you know, you're not allowed anywhere. They did it so fucking fast and in the name of good, you know. And, and uh, it may have been in the name of good, but again. that doesn't justify it. No, that it's always ju- in the name of good, but yeah. it's always in the name of good. The, the right. worst things are always done by people completely convinced of their rightness. I think Alan Watts said something along those lines. Uh, what do you, know, you say? What do you think about? Confucius said that uh, goody goodies are the uh, thieves of uh, virtue. You know, I didn't know Confucius the, even used that word goody goodies. That's awesome. Maybe that's a contemporary translation of what he said. <laughs> he would have had a word to goody goody. Yeah. Uh, the 
Yeah, everything awful is always done by people completely convinced of their rightness. And the worst things are done by the people most convinced of their rightness. So the people who think that they are the most good and virtuous are the people who do the most fucked up things. Wow. And that's consistently true across history. In fact, that's the, that's the number one lesson of history, right? Caleb, that's the Instagram clip. Where are we? Those are the people that you want to fucking watch out for. Anyone comes around. Alan Watts said something about it. And people think of Alan Watts as being this hippie type guy. I did an album sampling him. And he says when he starts hearing people talking about how good they are and what have you, he gets a shotgun and bars his door. <laughs> he says, I buy a shotgun and bar my door because I know there's a storm of hypocrisy coming or something like that. And that's, that re- that's the real shit. Those um, people you want to be scared of. Dr. The, e- There's no Dr. Evils. You know what I mean? Klaus Schwab isn't sat around going, ha, 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 ha. I'm going to do some evil shit today. These motherfuckers think they're good. With the capital Yes. Team. Yes. They do. Even though they look like fucking crypt keepers and shit. You can, all these people look incredibly evil. It's hilarious. Every person who is like some kind of minister for health or whatever in the Build Back Better world looks like a comical, looks like a Batman villain. Uh, but people, you know, it's still uh, is not seen because they they say they're good. And just saying you're good seems to be enough to convince certain people that you are good. It's like a weird spell that people feel. It's like a glamour, right? In fantasy novels, they always talk about glamours. You cast a glamour and people think you're virtuous. <laughs> there you go. You should see yeah. Ireland's too, Caleb. Ireland's is crazy. All of them crazy, man. They're like crazy. One of them looks, yeah, they all got these. That one's very funny, though. You know what I mean? <laughs> <So> <laughs> Uh, no, so maybe I have it wrong. I thought it was Ireland had this uh, over there somewhere. They have a, another woman. What's what's uh, it's it's interesting because I'm on the I, I I absolutely think that if you are if you're obese that you you could still be a great coach. You could still be a great car, CrossFit coach. I think that if you're if you suck at football, you you could still be a great football coach. But for some reason, I don't think people who are in charge of making laws around your health or health decisions should be should be unhealthy well it's like if you go to a you know you you go to a restaurant and the chef is skinny you get the fuck out of there oh yeah um yeah or if there's no line right this place (laughs) is empty let's go in no thank you (laughs) which is that's kind of wrong to be honest like i'm um i'm one of these like zero carbs eats only steak type weirdos you know what i mean so like uh if i went to a steak restaurant and the and and the guy did not look fucking ripped and shit. I don't know if I would trust him. To be honest, at this point in my life, I kind of think that, like, if you're going to be, like, running the country, uh, you should be able to, like, jump on top of a box and pick up a fucking car or some shit. Otherwise, I don't I don't trust you. And uh, if you're t- going to be lecturing about me about my fucking health, you should definitely be slightly healthy. You know what I mean? Now, like, fat guys are strong. Why is that? I've been wondering about this. Do you seen that? Say that again? What was the phrase you just said? Well, about fat guys being strong. Who's this guy? Um... PewDiePie put me onto this guy. I don't know if you if pull if you can pull up a video and play it. It's the best thing in the world. It's only thirty two seconds. Uh, the video is called "I Know What Men Can Do When They're Angry." Okay, it's pretty much the greatest video of all time. It's thirty seconds long. It's uh, if all that YouTube had ever given to the world was this video, it would have all been worth it. Do you know? But uh, while Caleb pulls that up, do you know a guy named uh, Eli Webby? He wrote a book called Mask. Uh, that rings a bell. Although I don't okay. have the book mask, but the name we'll, is- we'll circle back around him. Okay. Here you go. Okay. Yeah, this- I was afraid of the retaliation. I know the power of patriarchy. I know what men can do when they're angry.
Yeah, uh, if that guy speaks English, he needs to come on the podcast. Who the right? fuck is that? That's my, uh, that's my, you know, that's my inspiration. That that's that's for your next greatest. song. What's that for mm-hmm. everything? Just in general, I will, I just think of that all the time. You know what I mean? You ever in like any situation where you're feeling a bit bummed or you're feeling like you can't quite do a thing? I just think of that fucking guy. You know what I mean? He's he's an incredible, incredible creature. He's been uploading videos like that for nine years to YouTube. Like, no context, no talking to the camera, just, like, footage of him just picking up ridiculously heavy shit and screaming. Yeah, in, in, in the uh, deflection on that bar, the whole thing, his friend there. I, I'm going to tell the Russian writing on the shirt, I think, what makes you 50 pounds, you know, all your list 50 pounds stronger. Just get some Russian writing on your shirt. Yeah, right? Fuck. Yeah, I, I, I wore this shirt, by the way, because of you. Does, oh, yeah? Do you, do you feel it? I can't see it. But it's it, very, it sort of has a main, club vibe, rave, ravey vibe to it, I'm doesn't trying, it? I'm going to have to make you bigger. Uh, you're very, very small on my screen. Is that I'm very small. Either? I'm only 5'5". Five five. I'm a very small man. In it. <laughs> <laughs> Who is that? It looks like Billy Eilish is a zombie or something. I don't know. It's it's an old shirt. I got it in Santa Barbara at like some skater rave shop back in the day. <laughs> okay. That's very nice. But I just it's, it's she's got the titties out and she's like I just oh, like it. I can't even see the titties, man. You you've got like titties on YouTube. You're a savage. Yeah, you snuck titties onto YouTube. What an absolute beast! It's funny when I go to my kids' events and I accidentally wear a shirt. Th- I like this shirt so much that I probably only wear it like four times a year because I know every time I wash it, it's reducing the life. Do you know? Do you have any shirts like that? I have loads of shirts like that. I nearly wore one today and then I didn't wear it because I didn't want to reduce its life. Yeah. Serious? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Literally just now. I put it on for like about 60 seconds and then took it off again. Sevon doesn't deserve. Sevon this one's already fucked. Sevon doesn't deserve the shirt. Um, I'm going to have this guy on the podcast. Uh, um, his, his, uh, he ran the he ran a couple of nightclubs in L.A. The big one that I forget. I wish I could remember the name of the first one he was at. But but where I'm at in the book right now is he he ran a club called Warwick. Does that ring a bell? I know the Warwick. Yeah, I used to you do. I DJ there a couple of times. Okay. And and basically, and I'm at the part in the book where he's talking about where they remodel it a couple times a year and about, yeah. but basically he's talking about the LA nightlife yeah. Oh, yeah. and it sounds absolutely fucking horrible. It sounds so stressful. And I'm very, even when he world, talks about the superficiality of it, it feels superficial just hearing him talk about it. I mean, it's layered. So I'll tell you one thing about it. So I'd never, yeah. cause I was out there DJing in Hollywood for, like four years or something. And the sorts of places I'm DJing at are the sorts of places where Kendall Jenner goes for a birthday party when she's underage or whatever the fuck, which are Kendall, Kai, whatever, the one with the, the ass implants on her face. Um, you know, so it's the place is always full of those sorts of people and tigers and weekends. And then there's this whole army of people who hang on to those sorts of people, you know, and they spend a lot of money. They're the people, they sell bottles of champagne in these places that are hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know. And when someone buys one, like, a bottle of champagne, whether it's like a regular sort of $500 bottle one or one of the tens of thousands ones, you know, that girls come out dressed in weird, you know, some kind of negligee and a duck outfit or whatever the theme of the bar is with sparklers and all this shit, which I'd never seen until I went there. And uh, so the table that gets it, they make a big sparkler deal of it. And the DJ is supposed to do something to kind of accentuate the moment. So everyone looks at these people and goes, oh, special people. And then they want to do it. Right. And I remember I was working in one of these clubs that's one of these super, super high-level, expensive-type places. And they hire people, they pay people to go in there and uh, and do that so that then the rich people will copy them. because the, So it's it's fake. It's like clappers. 
they used to have clappers back in the day at Shakespeare plays, right? They'd be paid to go in there and clap so that everyone else claps because people. I'd be so good at that. I'd be so good at that. You'd be a good clapper. So yeah, yeah. so you have people. They pay people. They pay young guy, young guys who they call promoters. And what the young guys' job to do is to amass an army of hot young chicks. And they come to the club with their army of hot young chicks, and they get free booze. And then the rich guys come in and see hot chicks. And then the guy, the promoter guy with his table of hot chicks, uh, orders a bottle of champagne and they come out with the sparklers. And then the rich guys go, oh, shit, I need to ball like that guy. And then they do it. And they get the sparklers. And it's a game of fucking sparkler dominoes that then goes on. And the way they build up the clubs is this interesting thing where where it's done deliberately to build them up to the point that kind of like rich Arab types from Dubai start coming. But when the rich Arab types from Dubai start coming, the place becomes less cool. So while that's happening, they'll open up another venue. And then once the Arab guys, like the Arab guys don't think the place is cool anymore, they'll remodel and relaunch and then bring back the young types and they'll, they'll do this cycle over and over and over. Yeah, it's, it's a wonderful world. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it, it, it's it. Um, and it sounds like it's a uh, it's a it's a brutal it's a brutal lifestyle. Like it's to, a brutal to, lifestyle. Yeah, it's a brutal lifestyle. You, like, because outside of that stuff, doing that, you then have to go to after parties afterwards. Yeah, or like everyone thinks they have to. I discovered it was bullshit. Everyone told me you have to go to after parties. That's where you get gigs. That's where you make your connections. Blah, 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 blah. And you just end up in a house in the hills with a bunch of cokeheads screaming at each other. Till like, you know, midday the next day, then you get fuck all done the next day and then you have to go DJ or whatever in the evening and then it's round again. And sometimes you get stuck, you know, and there's no reception. You can't get an Uber. So you just stuck up a mountain with a bunch of weirdos screaming at each other. You know, uh, I ended up at Justin Bieber's house one time in that kind of fashion. It was just horrible. You just got like and like everyone's running around, like trying to find which the coolest party is. And you go. So someone will try and get everyone back to theirs. But then a cooler party will turn up and everyone will leave them. And they've spent loads of money on getting champagne or something delivered. And they're all sad. And all the chicks go off to Justin Bieber's house. It's like, it's a crazy world. Yeah, th- th- that's basically how he makes it sound in the book. I- I'm very interested to have my, I wonder if you ever, do you, how long does it take to recover from that? Does it take a, a year from being with that, in that kind of environment where. Um, I invented Meaning Wave in that environment. You did. Yeah. Tell me about Meaning Wave. Tell everyone about Meaning Wave. Well, so I'm in that environment. Um, and, I'm and, and this is 2000, what year? 14, 15? Yeah, 2014 was when I moved to LA and started and became Hollywood club DJ guy, like best open format DJ and Hollywood type guy. Um, but I was already, you know, I've been making music for years. Anyway, and sort of during this process, uh, I, I invented Meaning Wave. And that was just a case of making records with rather than a singer, I was sampling people talking, whether it was lectures or podcasts, or I was taking ancient philosophical texts and converting those into pop songs or whatever. I was basically integrating the wisdom of the ages into the most deadly, uh, mimetic, sort of viral, uh, implantable, imbuable form that we know outside of heroin, which is music. You know, Why do you say uh, deadly? Well, everything's deadly if if in the wrong hands. I mean, the power, like music, well, it is music. People don't think about what music is doing, so they just listen to records that, like, turn them into, like, simps and fools. You know, like, if you listen to the content of most pop music, it is on a mental or whatever level, it is the, it is the story or the experience of the lowest common denominator 14-year-old. 
Mm. And people will be listening to that shit their whole lives. And people wonder why, like, guys in their 40s are sitting around in a pile of Funko Pops and crying themselves to death. Like, no, I hate my Funko Pops. I've got one right here. My son bought me this for becoming level five data. Anyway. Um, but, yeah, so, um, but I was doing this thing. And the other thing about being a Hollywood DJ type nightlife guy is you have to be a functional alcoholic. Everyone is a functional alcoholic of some kind. The bar staff, everyone who works in these places, everyone, the bar staff, they're all, they all want to be Tom Cruise. Yeah. I think they're all people who've come to LA to be actors. So every barman is the most handsome guy you've ever seen. Every bar woman's the most beautiful <clears throat> woman you've ever seen, you know, and they work real hard and they drink real hard. You know what I mean? Everyone is fucking drunk. Everyone's drinking all the time. And as a DJ, people just be walking around pouring shots down your neck. Cause every time you do anything cool, they give you, they give you a shot. And then all the rich guys want to be seen to be hanging with the DJ. So they come and pour booze on your head and all this type of shit. So everyone's a fucking functioning alcoholic. Barely functioning. And other good stuff too? Like do you get MDMA or? Oh, well, everything. There's people, literally, people are throwing everything at you and trying right. to do bumps in the fucking DJ booth. And Wiz Khalifa's in there, like smoking the place out so you can't see a laptop screen. And blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Miley Cyrus is stealing your phone charger. Yeah, like, all yeah. that type, all that type. Joke. David Hasselhoff's coming in the booth, wanting to do a shout out, and you don't have a microphone, so you give him his, you give him your headphones, and he talks into your headphones like the Wu Tang recorded their album in that fashion. You know what I mean? I approve of. That's the first person I approve of, by the way. David Hasselhoff, Miley. He's a bad motherfucker. He's yeah. a drunk motherfucker. I met him on a couple of occasions, and he was hammered on both occasions, and one of them was like one in the afternoon. You know what I mean? Uh, he recorded me a nice drop. Uh, oh, he did. I, I got a David Hasselhoff job. This is David Hasselhoff, aka Hasselhoff. I'm with the Cure of the Dawn. Stay tuned. And then he hiccups. You know. and, uh, <laughs> I did just some parties for his daughter. Anyway, uh, so I'm in this fucking world, and the world is crazy. You know what I mean? And uh, I'm making. I've got a studio downtown, and I'm making all this music, and uh, I'm making these instrumental records because I was making vocal rap records, but um. I realized I couldn't make the album I wanted to make because I wasn't yet wise enough. I was making this trilogy of albums about the human experience and I've got to album three. And I realized, oh shit, I can't make this album yet because I'm not yet wise enough. I haven't had a kid. There's certain stuff I do not understand. So I stopped. Wait, how? Oh. Wait, sorry, sorry, sorry. I, I, I do <laughs> want to hear the story. How? God. Oh, fuck. I don't know if I want to take you off in this direction. How did you know that you weren't wise enough and how did you know the kid was part of the metric? Can can you give me just well, like that's one pretty basic? Back? That seems pretty obvious. The first album was about the, but it's so mature to be able to reflect on yourself and know that. Well, I pay attention to that stuff. So, like the first album was about, uh, you know, coming into the world, being an individual, the right of the individual to be an individual. It was peppered with samples, held together with samples from the prisoner. Okay, you know? and I, it was about my experience growing up in Wales and leaving home at fifteen and living with junkies and all this type of shit. You know. And the second album was about uh, when you start interfacing with the world and you realizing you're part of something else and how everything is synergetic and fits together and all that type of thing. And then the third album was going to be was going to basically be about the thing that you learn after that. So the second thing is when you sort of, you know, that uh, a lot of the people who step into kind of like extremist leftism go into that thing and just stay there. They don't go all the way through. You know, what I mean, a lot of the yeah, yeah. Yeah, all you have to go all the way through. Res- You're right. You have to go all the way through. I think yes. all of our problems are a result of people not yes. thinking things all the way through to their conclusions yes. or taking it all the way. So when you do that, yes. when you think that, you go, oh, shit. You know, and part of that obviously is is uh, 
becoming a full-blown proper fucking adult like they had back in the day and you read about in books and shit. And part of that involves having a child. I think if you've not had a child, there's and in, there's, obviously there's a giant part of the human experience you know fuck all about and can't talk about. Uh, there's another. This is why I honestly do not think uh, one of our big issues right now is we have all these leaders without children. That's a fucking catastrophic. They have no skin in fucking the game. Fucking nuts. I've never heard anyone say that, but that's nuts. Right? That's, who? Tell me one. Does Trudeau doesn't have any kids? Trudeau, don't, I don't know if he, he doesn't look like a guy who has kids. I don't think he, have, he has nuts. So how could he have kids? He uh, doesn't look he like he bangs, right? Not I don't mean that in a do. mean way. Macron does not have kids, right? The French one, he doesn't Holy have kids. Holy shit. Uh, the German Holy one, she doesn't have kids. Interestingly, all the ones that have come out. The Merkel world, doesn't have kids either? Is it Merkel? Maybe. Look into there's a whole bunch of them, and they all intercross with the World Economic Forum thing. So everyone who's kind of come out of that school is like seventy percent of them or something don't have kids. It's a lot of them don't have kids. I don't think that uh, the the one in um, uh, New Zealand. I don't think she has kids. I want to explain something to people real quick, and then I want Kira uh, Don to explain it too. The, the reason why your your whole mind sh- you become selfless when you have kids in an ideal world, and you start really, really it, even the the most selfish people in the world start to become selfless, like literally selfless, like not in a way like, hey, I'm going to stop and help this old lady across the street. Like you vanish, and there's a profound happiness with that that I can't even fucking explain. But if yeah. you don't have that. You do not have the best interest if you don't if you haven't if you don't sample that in your daily life deep deep like complete selflessness then you have no business running a country. Not. No, no, doing anything that if, that uh, has any consequence. There's this uh, that poor yeah. little Seth Rogan Rogan or whatever he's called Rogan. Is uh, is um, yeah that guy's a douchebag too. Is that the comedian? Yeah, he he's said something horrible. about how him and his his missus aren't going to have any kids. Because um, he said, people who have kids, they don't have any fun. He says, me and my wife, we have fun. We lie around in bed, smoking weed, watching cartoons. I don't want to lose that. And I thought, you poor, poor, sad fuck. I felt so bad for that guy. I almost cried reading that. Because yep. that's like, that's the mindset of so many people who've been fooled by this this evil, evil trick. Because the most wonderful thing you could ever do is have children. And those Saturday mornings lying around smoking weed and watching cartoons, those shits was fun. But they're nothing. Compared to the mornings when you have when children come into the equation, it's nothing. It's not even in the same like library. If you watch your kids, when you watch your kids dance, (laughs) my kids dance a lot. There's no. It's probably the best moment of my life. Yeah, I'm gonna really say this too. It's better than it's better than you know when you're 16, you're like or 18, like me when you lose your virginity, you're like, man, this is the greatest thing ever. Watching your kids dance is better than losing your virginity. You oh, and it see, just gets better it, and it's better. nuts. Yeah, it's nuts. It's so wonderful watching them, watching these, watching them grow, watching them evolve, watching when they appear, they're already fully formed in a weird sort of a way. And then you kind of watch, they already exist as they are. Like the inherent nature of the human is in them from the very beginning. And then you get to watch it unfold and you get to mm. watch it blossom. If you're doing things correctly, if you're paying attention, uh, if you're not sending them off for the government to smack them around the head with hammers until they turn into miserable, bitter retards. Uh, you know, I wish I lived near you. I wish we could. I wish I lived near you. (laughs) You should. It's great. We have a great. You know, you could come to. You could come to Mexico's best CrossFit gym. Um, what what, is it? (laughs) This trilogy of albums. What's what? What's the name of them? Oh yeah. Well, the first there was there wasn't the first one was called When We Were Young, and the second was called The Life Equation, and the third one was going to be called The Third Force, and I'll make that when I've 
oh amassed, amassed a bit more oh and, you uh, that's you rap on that's your uh-huh. Well, well, when you look this album up, I, I, I'll let you just say, is, is this, a, would you consider this a rap album? They call this a rap album. Yeah, well, I'm rapping on it. Yeah. I was like, I was, you know, uh, I was the first British rapper signed to Interscope Records, which is like Dr. Dre and Jimmy Iovine and all that shit. Were you the first white dude signed to it also? No, nah, Eminem was, was signed to them. Okay. You know, but I was the first British guy. Jimmy Iovine sat me down and told me that I was going to do to uh, rap music what, Beatles did to rock and roll. Um, and then I made them an album and it had a song in it called Thanks for All the AIDS. <laughs> and, um, oh, yeah, 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 I see. And uh, they said, you, you better change these lyrics, motherfucker. I don't have a song called Bankers. I had a song in it that predicted the stock market crash. Uh, said It said on it, the mortgage-based security system's about to blow. This is, it's not a fairy tale or speculation. This is what we know. And there's some shit about... Um, Taking his dad to 500 million or some shit like that. It was, it was a very based, I was a very based young man. They did not like that shit. Yeah, exactly. Big fucking happy chorus. And they're like, you need to change these lyrics. And I was like, no. Well, they really do tell you that. Yeah, they yeah, really. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, they don't just hint you, at it and you got you pissed. They really call. I got a phone call from my A&I guy and he says, right, they listen to the record. They're not going to put it out with those what, lyrics. Uh, you need to change some shit. I'd, I'd been in Iovine's office, played him some songs, da, 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 you know, and he was cool with, with some of them, but I was not. And uh, at that point, Buster Rhymes uh, was on the label and he had recorded three albums for them that were on the shelf. They wouldn't release. I was like, fuck it, Buster Rhymes ain't getting this shit out. What, what's going to happen to me? So I'd had one of my songs in a, a movie called My Super Ex-Girlfriend that had Uma, it was, it played at the moment when Uma Thurman and Eddie, uh, Eddie transvestite British comedian snogged, which, and uh, I took the money from that to buy my album back and would have been independent ever since. Wait, 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 uh, uh, how did you get money from uh, Uma Thurman kiss? Is, is snog mean kissing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, that's a British word. That means tongue kissing, you know. She kissed Eddie, the tranny uh, and you got money out of that? Yeah, well, it was in a movie, you know. So when things in movies, it's cool. Oh. It was in a movie called My Super Ex-Girlfriend, oh. which was like an early superhero um, romantic comedy type joint. How old are you? You're 42? Uh, I think I will be in May. Yeah, I will Man. be in May. Man, you've done so much stuff already. Yeah. Hey, do you think being in Mexico has helped your skin? Do you think you look younger there? I mean, I, I'm in. I'm in the probably the best shape of my life right now as a result of uh, getting shit loads of vitamin D and jumping up and down on top of boxes in CrossFit five days a week, you know? Uh, and so yeah, my skin is definitely better. My hair is, everything is better being out here. I mean, you always had nice skin. When, just like, look at the, the, the videos I've seen of you, you know, five I years actually ago. Didn't always, I didn't always. No? Uh, I, my skin sort of, the thing is though, when I basically stopped eating carbs mm. and, um, vegetables all my health problems went away i did like a baseline diet thing i was just like breaking the only food that i ever like didn't cause me problems was steak so i did a like a a reduction diet where i just like stopped eating everything apart from steak and uh all my health problems went away and if i ever tried reintroducing anything i would have a problem come back so for the past like four years now i think three four years i've just eaten steak um 
many years ago, a guy I worked with told me he quit eating dairy. And I was like, oh, I'll give it a try. And I go, he goes, ah, I wouldn't. And I go, why? And he goes, because you can never come back. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's real. I used to fucking love my fucking, uh, you know, big fat lattes and all that type of shit. But I have these like tiny, I used to have these tiny little bumps, which you couldn't see, but I, I could feel them on my skin. You know what I mean? Those went away when I stopped uh, putting milk in my fucking coffee. Some shit like that. I used to have like fucking bleeding gums and all sorts of stupid shit. And uh, all that stuff went when uh, I did those dietary shifts. And the thing is, it's like that shit doesn't work for everybody. And the reason is because some people come from carnivore ancestry and some people come from plant ancestry. And uh, we know this from our, from our myth and from our mythological record. There were some places in the world where uh, any plant you would eat would kill you. So those people were carnivores. But then there was other places in the world where they weren't even animals and those people just ate rot rotting vegetation and shit of that nature. And we come from these people and some of us come from carnivore people and we do better with those sorts of diets. And others, others of us come from the plant people. And it was the plant people who did, did human ritual sacrifice, by the way. Because, uh, of course. Of course, yeah. Lars, uh, th this guy Logan Logan Mars here, he's the guy who introduced me to you. Uh, Lars, why don't you come on and oh uh, shit, the fucking legend. Well, Logan yeah. Mars is responsible for the for the hot sauce. Yes, yeah, yes, he is. Yes, <laughs> well, he sent me, he sent me a fucking big load of hot sauce, and I like I banged a bunch of it on a live stream. You know, uh, wow. Uh, uh, Logan, why don't you call in and, and you can fluff him for a second? Logan's the only guy I let call in on non call in shows. Really. Yes. Yes. That is that is accurate. Yeah, that's um do you ever you, you ooze so much creativity that um does it ever get dangerous? Uh, by, by that by, to to yourself to yourself. Like you're like, okay, like it sounds like you have some balance in your life, but it is ever like, okay, I'm not working out enough, I'm not sleeping enough, I'm not being nice enough to my wife, I'm not spending enough time with my kids. Like, does it ever become are you beyond that phase it, now that you're 40? Is it like, okay, like, I, but, but, all do you know what I mean? Happen. Like, like an no, addiction. All those things happen. You constantly have to recalibrate, right? Like, uh, you constantly, I, I kind of audit. So I'll like check in on, I like do a habit audit, for example, and I'll see, you see what habits you've got going on and are they useful? Maybe you've developed some that aren't good, whether, and that habit might be like not being nice enough to your wife or whatever the fuck, or do or whatever habits come in you know and if you don't pay attention they'll take over your whole life and next thing you know you'll be dead uh so i audit that stuff and i have a look at it and if i find any habits that are not serving me i replace them with useful ones you know and um you might think of those as systems uh one of the scott adams is how to win how to lose and keep win or big or whatever the fuck he had a book i read in 2014 that was very influential on me and meaning wave. And he talked about the idea of systems being better than goals overall, because you have a goal when you reach that goal, you're like, well, what the fuck now? And when you haven't reached that goal, you're in a state of not having reached that goal. And that's not a good state. You know what I mean? Whereas if you turn your, your desires or aims into uh, that, yeah, the first one, if you turn your desires or aims as Pete, Peterson calls them aims, right? If you don't have an aim, you're aimless. So you set your aim and then you reverse engineer systems that will carry you to that aim. And all you have to do is execute those systems. And then what I realized is you can turn those systems into habits, replacing unuseful habits. So then your habits are the systems that will carry you uh, to your aims. And it's you're, you're like a guy getting, you're like a rock star at a concert, you know what I mean? Just getting carried by the crowd that is your 
that is your ha- the habits you've created for yourself. So anyway, I check in on those motherfuckers on a monthly basis. I make a new album every month. At the beginning part of the process at the beginning is checking in on my habits. Another thing I do is is uh, institute some new things that I haven't done before. So I'm constantly kind of on the edge of my competence, which is a place that you need to be if you in order to be maximally zoned in habits and um, creative. Yeah. Um, uh, uh- Audit your habits. That should, that should, by, Mar, sorry, my phone crashed when you, right when you called in. Um, auditing your habits should be one of everyone's habits. Like it's, that is something as I, I, I'm not a goal oriented person. I know I've heard you talk about how you write out like sort of your future 10 years. I don't do that. Yeah, I didn't know me neither. No. Oh, okay. I thought you did do that. I thought like you no. would like lay out your whole, t- I thought I heard you no. talking to Jordan Peterson. No. No, I mean, he, well, he, he's very methodical at planning. I'm simpler in that. You have like, I have a much simpler aim. I will have a relative, you know, or some simple aims. I wish to become competent in this thing, or I wish to uh, achieve this or whatever the fuck it is. I don't have like a fucking 10 year plan broken, micromanaged, broken down. Um, but I, what I will, what I do sort of break down is like I said, the, I'll have a, an aim and then I'll break reverse engineer how to get to that and put in place systems that will do that and then just do the systems. And then it's just a case of discipline. And of course, and like I said, but then you can turn those things into habits uh, and then it's real easy, but you just have to make sure you have to audit those habits and make sure it's still the ones that you wanted because things will slip in. And the deeper you get into life, the more things become habitual. And when something becomes a habit, whether it's like driving to work in the same way or, uh, or eating the same thing or whatever it is, your brain will start fast forwarding through that activity because it's seen it before. Right, and right. that's part of why I think people have the you have the illusion of time speeding up as you get older, and that's why those summers when you were a little kid used to go on forever because it was all new experiences. You know, those early summers, everything was fucking new. Getting chased by a farmer, you know, seeing seeing a girl bend over, like making a nice daisy chain for some motherfucker. You know what I mean? Getting your head kicked in. It was like new <laughs> shit. Every- a daisy chain. I haven't heard that term in a long time. That's when you pick the flower and you put a little slice in the stem and you connect them all together, make a necklace. Yeah, that's right. That is exactly what it is. And I was, I was, a, and, and until you start hanging out with people in Oxford, like, and then a daisy chain means a completely different thing in Oxford and Cambridge ah. where, all, where all the British rich people are. A ah. daisy chain is in those places is the rich people in Britain send their kids to uh, private schools where they get um, sexually and? abused. Over daisy chain. That's a different kind and, of daisy chain. And they sit around in a circle and each person like jerks the person to the left of them off in a no circle. Shit. And that's how they bond. And then once they've, that's how they don't snitch on each other when they become politicians because they know shit like that. And they've got photos of each other doing weird shit from when they were kids. Wow. Yeah. God, that seems like just that's how you run empires. That's just real. I met these people. I met, I was hanging out with a girl and she was joining some secret society and uh, the ritual to join the secret society and everyone in that thing has gone on. Some of them are fucking like lawyers, prime minister types, whatever. Like they had to like bang like a pint of gin and some heroin and go out and find a homeless person and bang them and take a photo. That shit will cement your um, reliability. Hey, if you're if you're stuck in one of those um, situations where you feel like, uh, j- just let it go. Just come clean. Just it's so it's so much easier not having any secrets. Just come clean. So you well, suck the thing about suck someone about, off in university. Who cares? Whatever. We love you. So the what? end result of cancel culture, which is a wonderful yeah. thing, is a situation where 
if you haven't been cancelled, we're very close to that. We might really be there. Like people will treat you with suspicion because you're a fucking nut. Yes, yes, and yes. And if you yes, haven't done some yes, weird yes. shit, people are going to think you're a weirdo. If yes. What happens is you end up in a position of just radical empathy because everybody's got some shit and everybody could get. You know what I mean? That's, if that's you. If if you if you uh, th- this social score thing that I keep hearing about if you think a high <laughs> yes, social score is good you are fucking out of your mind if you try to follow me on Instagram Akira they'll give you a warning it's been like that for about a year and a half now and they say hey are you sure you want to follow this guy he's uh, misinformation and ninety nine out of a hundred people will be like hey I'm so glad I found you this proves to me that like I should follow you but every yeah, once in a while someone will be like hey I can't follow you because you're a spreader of misinformation I just I just like holy shit hey thank you for housing yourself as a chump yeah as a, as a chump God bless you yeah it's cool now everything right that's happening in the world right now is just a wonderful me- sort of like easily recognizable visual metaphor for what we already knew so like we already knew school was a prison uh to i didn't i didn't i'm just learning that now i'm so Uh, fucking far behind the curve well this is good because now you're learning it but i do the school was a prison designed uh not to educate but to uh stimmy and to sort of brainwash and to crush and to create uniform little little creatures that would uh work in in the 1900s factory system that's literally what it was designed for and then the one for posh people for rich people in britain that was designed to create people who would run the country in the way that the people above them wanted and would also be conform. So both systems were created, designed to create as conformity and both were modeled as prisons, right? And they're and dishonest, now, right? There are schools where you can go to and become an electrician and it's honest. It wants you to become uh-huh. an electrician, but these public schools, they act like they're benevolent or, yeah. or but, 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 but they're not. If they would just, would just be uh-huh. honest with us and trust the people, people would do the right thing. But now, but now they show what they are because now if you go to them, you have to like strap a thing around your face so you all look the fucking same and you have to like stand at this point and you have to believe this and say this. And if you don't say the thing you're supposed to believe, you, you're publicly uh, humiliated and removed and all this type of thing. It's just very, very obvious now what's going on. And that's across all of our society. Is it's now painfully obvious what's going on, who the people are. Uh, who, what people believe, who are the people who are basically going to be the ones who snitch to, uh, you know, like the kids in 1984 who snitch on the parents and like the, uh, you know, the people who snitched to the Gestapo back in the day. All of that stuff is out in the open now. We know. We know who the people are. You know, it's, that's a wonderful thing. That's very, very useful. It's, it's the, the more clear things are to more people, uh, the more likely it is that we can create uh at this point of creation that we're at, a lot of people are very black, pilly, doomy, or where this is like, it's inevitable that we get Klaus Schwab's wet dream. I don't think that's the case. I think this is an incredible opportunity to do something that we've never been able to do before. Uh, and you see uh, potential for that everywhere you look. So tell me, you have recently discovered what schools are about. How did, how, how did that happen? Uh, because I grew up in the city and I'm a, and and, you know, I grew up in the Bay area and I'm a, uh, fucking peace, love, uh, homosexual love and love all my men. I don't see color. Just you're hardcore. Just that means you're a racist now, by the way. If you don't see color, you're a racist. Right. I'm a tree, a tree hugging, you know, barefoot. I, I, I lived the life. I was homeless for five years. You know, I'd stop and help and do everything for anybody and anything. And, um, 
then uh, just give you one example. I dropped my kid off at uh, elementary school one day, or I I wasn't, I don't even think he was in school at the time. I was going by the elementary school he was going to go to, and we were getting papers to get him enrolled or something. And I saw the gay, the LGBTQ flag out front. And I'm like, why is that flag out here? Because I used to go to all the gay pride parades. I know it. I know what the flag stands for. The flag stands for it's. It's a well, gay means sex. That means you like to have sex with people. If you have a penis and I have a penis, we like to have sex with each other. Where straight means uh, penis and <laughs> vagina, right? That's all that flag means. And so I would go to these parties, and I know what gay dudes are into. They're the same thing that straight dudes are into. They just well, want to no, they, they like more amyl nitrate. They're like more extreme. But yeah. yeah, well, they because because they don't have anyone putting the brakes on them. Exactly, the putting the brakes on. Oh and, and so that's why we would go to the we would go to Polk Street in, in the city, and we would Polk fucking Street. Ra- yeah, Polk Polk Street. Street. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> and we would fucking party there, and I'd see the the one gay dude walking like five buff gay dudes, and their cock and balls hanging out. And we'd yeah. be partying, and there'd yeah, be trannies everywhere. I used to hang out with some of those bad people. I used to DJ parties for those bad guys in San Francisco. Yeah, she was awesome. I didn't do it like, and they're, they're, no one ever fuck, like did anything to me, but they called me a little cub because I had a beard. Yeah, right about me in that. Yeah, magazines. of course they didn't do any. Yeah, they didn't do any. They never did anything cool. to me. They Occasionally, some guy would slap my ass or something. But <laughs> there were tons of girls there too. But the reason why we would go to these parties or like the um in Halloween we would go to the, what's the big one we would always go to in Halloween um the erotic exotic ball is because you were free there. Everyone yeah. was free. Yeah. Like, like if you've come to the point in, in, in an oppressed society where you can kiss another dude, everyone, and, and, and there's a room full of people like that, the room is free. So we would go there and experience that freedom and we would party. And, we, we, and like I said, we weren't gay, my friends and I. We would go there and there were tons of chicks there too. Anyway, when I see that flag at my kid's school and they see it means freedom and acceptance, I'm like, that. no, that's what the American flag means. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that one, that one right there means that you just like to party in the city and suck a lot of cock and be free yeah. and just like run around <laughs> naked. That one does not mean uh, uh, freedom. There's, there's no, there's no, there's no connection to that. It's all that is a sex flag. And when I saw the two being conflated, I was like, and, and, and I was like, holy shit. Something's not right. And, 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 the, and the teachers believe it, too, because they're scared. They're scared to think for themselves. They think, like, if you say that, you're against homosexuality. I am not against homosexuality. Which is the greatest sin. Well, one of the great – there's a few of them, but look, these are our sins now. Now we're in this, like, godless society that Nietzsche warned us about. Uh, the vacuum, you know, man is a religious animal fundamentally, and if you t- strip his religion away from him, he will find a new one very, very fast. So we just got this new religion. When it's, it's a cliche at this point. It happens so fast that the, the people, the Nancy Reagans and Mary Whitehouses of my youth are now the, the people flying the, the rainbow flag and all that kind of thing, demanding complete conformity of thought and action and deed and, and self-flagellating and demanding fucking penance and blah, blah, blah. It's so boring at this point, but it happened so quickly. Yeah. And it, what's interesting about how it happened so quickly is, well, what that, what that means is something else could happen very quickly. You know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I heard you talk. You talked to um in 2018. You were saying that with uh, Eric. Um, quite possibly, yeah. And you and know, you and Jordan Peterson's conversation was fascinating. Also, you were talking about the collapse, or maybe it was Eric, but you guys were talking about how institutions have collapsed. Mm-hmm. Basically, they're not functioning anymore, and it's the individuals like Akira, like Sevon like Rogan, yeah, 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 yeah. Who, who are now, we're the only places where there's authenticity. And I was like, holy shit. Yeah, well, you know, when I was a kid, like, if you wanted to, because I, I observed this from the lens of music. So when I was a kid, I was very much a student of the game, and I bought all the music magazines, or I stole all the music magazines, shoplifted all the music magazines. And, uh, you know, I was, I've 
obsessed over it. And at that point, if you wanted to make a record, you needed to like make a demo tape somehow and get that to a guy, but no one had ever listened to it because there were piles of demo tapes. So I realized it was all sort of nepotistic and it was all gatekeepers and shit. And you had to suck off a specific guy, like baby spice from the spice girls had to like do a whole bunch of shit for them to get through and da 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 da. And, uh, you know, and then you had to get, there was a couple of magazines, there was the enemy and there was the melody maker. And they only had 12 covers a year with rolling stone. Terence Trent Darby, who's, who's a black, uh, well, half black, uh, R&B British guy uh, claims that Michael Jackson and Prince ganged up to have him blackballed from the industry because there wow. was only space on Rolling Stone for two black guys out of Holy the 12 shit. covers a year. There are 12 covers a year. Two of those were for black guys. And that was Prince and Michael Jackson. So then Derby says they uh, they ganged up to have him removed from the industry because he was taking up one of their slots. But then, you know, Napster. Do you buy that? Prince Do you Man, buy that? Yeah. Napster. Napster uh, and all that comes along like 2000 and pretty much within six months that whole system was gone and suddenly those gatekeepers didn't have any power anymore and it shifted now within music is you know you there's uh, there's an infinity you can be young lean now as a Swedish rapper and you can you know be completely ignored by the mainstream and you can have millions of people watch listen to your music and have nothing to do with that world you know you can be Akira the Don and be completely ignored by the mainstream music industry and uh, get more streams and such like than the people they put on the front cover of their magazines now. Like, How many albums do you have on Spotify? I don't even know. Yeah, it's nuts. I don't even know. A lot. But yeah, that's it now. So it's, and that's wonderful because all these people destroyed their trust. And that, what happens to the music industry will happen to every industry. Uh, you know, it's, hap- it's happening to the press. It's happening to, to the corporate press. Uh, it's happening to the uh, institutions of education. It's happening to the pharmaceutical and uh, sort of so-called health industries currently. It's even happening to the movie industry because suddenly Unreal Engine exists and one person can make a movie. You suddenly, because Unreal Engine 5 exists, I don't know if you've seen this shit, people are making these like fan Star Wars Star Wars uh, films and they look better than the shit on Disney+. Plus. Oh, that's this awesome. Is like, I have not seen that. That is like awesome. And it's this thing I've been talking about for, for decades, and I've been wondering when it will come into existence. So, like, with Unreal Engine, you can create a world, but you don't have to make the whole world. So it's like... If with what engine? Movie, with what engine? Unreal Engine 5. You can use it to make video games, movies, animations, or whatever, right? But you can say, okay, I want a, a, a Martian landscape. Loads of people have made them already, so you just download them, Right. And it's a 3D thing and it comes into your thing and you can light it any way you want. You can add anything you want. There's a th- there's loads of different like human generators that will create your actors for you. The, 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 the animations, the movements, everything. Or you can green screen your own actors. You can just do it yourself. You've got a green screen here. You just put yourself in these worlds. Everything you wish for has already been created and there's free versions of everything, right? So if you're like, a, you're like my son and his, his friends, you just make your own shit. That's all they do. You know, they're, they're all there, like, making their own video games, movies, worlds, albums, or whatever. When we when I was little, if you wanted to do anything, make an album, you had to go to a recording studio. You know, if you want to make a movie, uh, you got to go suck 15 dicks, uh, just for starters. You know what I mean? Like, for starters. You know what I mean? Like, that's all done now, right? Uh, so, yeah, all of these, all of the, the previous institutions which controlled everything are all collapsing in real time, which is why they're going so fucking hard uh, trying to counteract that with their, uh, with their creepy weirdo shit right now. But it's too late. 
It is too late. I believe it is too late. The genie uh, is out of the bottle. How do you stay on the pulse? Which how pulse do you know? Uh, young, uh, young, young, lean, unreal five. Um, well, here's the thing. This again, this comes. This is something I learned through music. Uh, if you make music, it's a good idea to DJ because what DJing will do, it will force you to to engage with music like you did when you were a 14 year old. You've got to be looking for new music to play. You've got to be listening to the new stuff that's coming out. You've got to be looking through your dad's record collection to find that rare gem that no one else has got, right? Yeah. A lot of people, when they love music when they're 14, they, they've all, the top YouTube comment on every pop music video is, oh, music was so much better when I was 14. Music was so much better in my day because that was when they first got their, they got a fucking boner or whatever it is, or first got finger banged right. around the back of Wendy's or whatever the fuck it is, right? And they right. just magically associate that time with the best music. Because what happened is they got to a certain age and they stopped looking for new music like they did when they were a kid because other life stuff came in the way. They got lazy, whatever the fuck it is. So if you stay in touch with culture, uh, what happens is if you stop, even for a couple of weeks or something, you become a bit adrift from society. And yeah. suddenly you can't communicate as well as you could before with as many people as you could before. And soon you're just far away at sea and it all looks weird and you don't understand it. And you forget what civilization is. And you grow a big old fucking natty beard and you forget how to talk and you stick a stick up your ass and you just run around drooling. You know what I mean? You become that guy. You don't want to be that guy. Uh, so all you have to do is stay engaged. You just pick a few things. Uh, so, you you know, you pick a couple playlists you listen to or you pick a couple YouTube channels that you follow or whatever, whatever it is. It's very easy now. Find some people to follow. Twitter or something like that, right? People think like, oh, it's a hellscape. It can be a hellscape if you're following the wrong people. If you follow the right people, it's a wonderful university or it's, it's a cultural yeah. dojo or whatever it is, right? You have the opportunity now to uh, to choose your peer group and choose your, you know, you're the sum of the five people closest to you, right? They say yes, that. Sir. You get to choose those now. One of the, like one of mine is Jordan Peterson, for fuck's sake. You know what I mean? Like, Why do people follow people they hate? Then there's people who don't like me who uh, who who uh, have subscribed to my account, and I'm like, what? Or I see I see people in the in the YouTube comments like this on the regular just. They're throwing stones. I'm like, dude, look, what do you do? You hate yourself? Why are you watching? Yeah, that's me? why they're broken. I made a whole album about this with uh, Scott Adams. Uh, it says they're broken. It's because they're broken and they're narcissistic and they want you to suffer as much as them. That's a big basis of the whole sort of SJW world is these people are broken, uh, tragic, and they want everyone else to be as broken as, as they are. They want yes. everyone else to be as broken and broke as they are. Right? That's that's, that's one is. of the cornerstones of being a liberal, by the way. You think that if you pull people from the top of the ladder down, that everything gets better. It's, you don't it's, think, it's, it's complete there's, there's insanity. not much thinking involved in that. It's just people have been told that and they parrot it. If you think right. that one through, it makes no fucking sense. But yes. uh, yeah, so there's that. So you've got, there's a whole bunch of broken narcissistic people out there who, because of the internet, suddenly have a voice. Uh, and these are the same people who will scream at people about masks. And these are the same people who will search through people's Twitter history to find something that suddenly this week has become unacceptable so they can ruin these people's lives. These are people who wake up and think, hey, how can I ruin someone's life today because mine is already fucking ruined and I don't want to have to look in the mirror and think about how fucked up my own life is. So I just focus on fucking someone else's life up and that will make me feel at least something. What is it Morrissey said? Morrissey said, it's so easy to laugh. It's so easy to hate. It takes guts to be gentle and kind. You know what I mean? It's fucking way more work to not be a fucking sniveling, miserable little fucker. But the sad thing about being the miserable, sniveling fucker is that ends up being more work. It's like if you don't, you know, uh, 
You can change well. in a moment, though. You know, you don't have to hate. Uh, instead of hating Jeff Bezos and Branson. You don't hate Jeff Bezos. Hate is a terrible, stupid thing to carry around with you. That will infect your own life. Be careful when you look into the abyss. For the abyss also looks into you, motherfucker. Mm, or as mm. uh, Frank Herbert said in Dune, you become what you fight, you know? Mm, yes. You be, don't fucking hate. I don't hate anybody. I have no hate in my heart. Uh, I feel bad for some of these motherfuckers. Like I said, that fucking idiot, uh, Seth, what's his face? Some people Brilliant. are like, I hate that guy. Don't you hate that guy? I feel sorry for that guy. He should be enjoying the glory of fatherhood. He's just rolling around smoking weed, covered in Cheeto dust. It's fucking horrible for that guy. You don't want to be that guy. Cheeto you don't want to be Klaus Schwab. You don't want to be fucking eating baby skulls. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you don't want to be these people. So don't hate them. That just brings misery into your life. You know what I mean? That's not the opposite is how, how you win, is you become a shining beacon of joy and love and wonder. And then that infects people around you. And then that, what is it? Fucking, uh, you know, don't, you focus on the light. It's either light or dark, right? And if you're focusing on the dark, you'll get more dark. So focus on the light and you'll get more light. Shiny beacon of love and wonder. Um, you at a young age you realized, at a young age you realized that um, whatever you focused on was was happening to you. Can you tell me that? Can you tell me that story? But um, I think it was uh, the world of heroin and fentanyl or something like that. At a young, I remember you were talking to um, just manifestation. Young, the, 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 well, you're, you're, young Danny Miranda. I only fucking realized that talking to young Danny Miranda. God bless that young Danny Miranda. I think it was it was Danny Miranda. Where I realized that. I was like a kid and I was ducking off a of school and going to Safeway and I was reading Train Spotting by Irvin Welsh, which is about Scottish junkies. And I'm reading that book and I'm doing a, I'm doing a sales job, door to door sales. And I heard that regional accents do better in sales. And that book is written in phonetic Scottish. It's written like phonetically. So I taught myself this crap Scottish accent. I was using that wandering around. And then I left home and I went to London and the first thing I do after get like, I'm supposed to be staying with this girl and she's like, actually, you can't stay with me. So I'm basically homeless in London. And I meet basically the cast of Trainspotting. I meet Scottish and Irish junkies who invite me to come and live in their squat with them. And I, and I greet the guy, he sp speaks to me and I just in instinctively uh, reply in this fake Scottish accent. So then I'm living with these junkies with a fake Scottish accent, pretending I'm Scottish. And uh, he was like, he was Irish, he was Northern Irish, and he took me back to his squat, and his girlfriend's there, and she's Scottish, and she's like, "Oh, you Scottish? Where are you from?" And I said, "Oh, Falkirk," because that's where this band Arstrap I liked were from. And she goes, "Oh, my nan's from Falkirk. Where did did you live?" And I went, "By the post office." And she goes, "Oh, great." So uh, that I was stuck in that position, but I didn't realize I'll talk to young Danny Miranda. Holy shit, I'm sat there, like, duck in school, reading this book about Scottish heroin addicts, thinking about it, <laughs> speaking it out loud in this voice to teach myself how to speak in Scottish. Right. And I built that world. I created that world. I summoned into existence me living in that in that book, in that movie. That That's what my life became. It wasn't because also in that book, you had Scott, you had junkies, and then they're all in the music scene, and they're all having these divorce parties and having these terrible scrapes and people are trying to kill them and all this type of stuff. All that stuff happened to me. I had a guy chasing me around with a fucking pool cube, like for fucking weeks. Like I had fucking all sorts of stuff that I can't talk about on podcasts uh, yet. Wow. Wow. <laughs> but I realized, yeah. And I was a kid reading books and reading them out loud. Like it's crazy how much fucking power there is in all that stuff.
it, uh, did you ever read Carlos Castaneda's books? None. I didn't think so. Uh, Carlos Castaneda, he wrote, um, the first book is, uh, Don, I think the first book might be just called Don Juan. Do you see that Caleb? Don Juan. Anyway, it's a series of five or six books. It's about a anthropology uh, student at UCLA who basically goes down to Mexico. Oh, the teachings of Don Juan, the Yaqui way. And he basically oh, yeah. go, he goes down to uh, um, to get his PhD studying um, medicinal plants in Mexico, and he comes across the sorcerer uh, Don Juan. Anyway, I read that series of books, and f- I, I, without going into too much detail, my whole life turned into that book. Yeah, and it it was it, and I was in I was probably in my early twenties. It was nuts. It was absolutely nuts. The the people I started meeting, and so literally, I lost touch with the Don Juan character that was in my life after reading the series of books, and I hadn't seen him in two years, and I wanted to see him, so I picked up the book, and I told two of my friends. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm going to pick up this book. I'm going to read it. I'm going to see if it brings this guy back. I picked up the first book. I read it again. Within a week, I fucking was just wa- walking uh, across a bridge somewhere, and, and yeah. there he was. Yeah. And we re- and we rekindled. Shit works. I had uh, it was. It's absolutely nuts. That was the first time I was like, "All right, something some fucking real weird. people. Some weird, I mean, some like, weird shit's going on here." Or I need to buy a lotto ticket. Well, yeah, um, you, you know, you probably could get that good to the point that that would work. I was I got really into Hunter S. Thompson, and then my life turned into a Hunter S. Thompson book. Uh, I got into uh, Grant Morrison's The Invisibles, which was specifically actually turned out to be about that. He was he was a guy who was using chaos magic to consciously create things in the world. He t- he wrote himself as the main character, and whatever happened to the main character kept happening to him in his life. So his his main character was getting tortured and uh, got given some flesh eating disease, and then he got it in real life. And had to go How about Snoop Dogg's life was kind of like that. Murder was the case. He released yeah, yeah. that album, and then a few years later, all that shit's happened to him. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. what the fuck is going on? Yeah. And then the thing, weird thing with Grant Morrison is I started reading his comics and getting really into it, and then we became friends. Like he, we oh, came into wow. each other. Turned out he was he was he was a big fan of my music, and then I was a big fan of him. And then we started. Then we, whenever we'd be together, all these weird fucking things would happen. That would. Um, yeah, he like after he had the thing with the flesh eating disease, and he realized how it was really working. He wrote the character that was based on him, just basically just had fun and orgies for like the next couple of years, and that's what his life became. And then he decided he wanted a wife, so he wrote his character basically meeting a woman. And in his real life, this woman came into his life, literally just came to his door and knocked on his door, and he opened his door, and there's a woman there, and it's basically the same as the character in the comic book. You know what's interesting? Um, I, I I toggle back and forth between: Are you manifesting that, or are you a fortune teller? Beca- because <laughs> it's the same. It's the same ending, right? Yeah, you get is. the same results. Like, am I seeing the future? And I'm conflating it with. It's well, that's mine? the same as the it's the same as the free will argument, right? Tell me. And the answer is: It doesn't matter. What matters is your experience, right? So oh. uh, you choose whichever frame best gives you the best uh, outcome or the best experience, right? You just pick whichever operating system or frame or way of viewing it gives you the most optimal life results. You know, because some people choosing the uh, no free will model leaves them in a state of anxiety and horror and nausea and reduces them to, you know, death and misery. Other people adopt that frame and it makes them very powerful and able to navigate the world like superheroes. So just yeah. it's just important for you to work out which frame works best for you and realize that that's all they are is frames. Oh, I really like that. 
Yeah. Uh, by the way, if anyone wants to test your free will, you you can do that. Tell me, tell me. You can just lie down and die and see if you're capable of doing it. Are you the master of your domain? Can you lie down and stay perfectly still? Can you not itch yourself? Can you mm -hmm. not react to every thought? Can you impose this free will on yourself to turn yourself off? I implore everyone to try it. Well, the argument fascinating on that there's, you know, some people can do that sort of thing, but that doesn't go against the, the free will people's argument that if you could do any of that stuff, that's only because of what happened in your life around you that made you the kind of person that was able to do that. Uh, right, right, right. You know. um, the, the paradox, if the, the paradox, if you're only, I believe, my belief, my, my experience is that the only free will you have is to do nothing. And through that, you will see. You will, as you said, you will stare into the abyss. But to do that, you you also have to embrace this other thing that um, I think it was Michael Singer says in Untethered Soul. You have to not be afraid of your death. You have, yeah, which is the same as you have to kind of be basically suicidal. Kind of. I don't have the exact <laughs> words for it, but you have to not be afraid of your own death. It, well, it is a. It is a. It is a. Yeah. Um, it's a terrifying it's the, experience. It's a cool stoic principle, right? You know, these, those motherfuckers used to have like skulls on their desks and all that sort of thing. You're supposed to just confront yourself with, and that leads for a rich life because if, because then you know, you know, you're not here for that long, da 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 da, or that kind of thing. It's easy for the young man to say that he isn't afraid of death. And I, I my whole life, I was like, I'm not scared of death. I'm not worried about death. And I, I still feel that way. But like, you know, I know some people who are close to death and, and they've changed. I know, but, but then I've known other people who are close to death who didn't change. You would like to think that you would be one of those people, you know. I like so. I like the fear of death. Uh, it's a great motivation. The respect of death, perhaps. Yes, the awareness yes, of yes. death, rather than fear of it. <laughs> yeah. My sister will yeah. be like, I'm not afraid to die. I'm like, I'm fucking terrified and I got a lot of shit to do. Yeah. Well, that's exactly. another thing, too. Before I had kids, I was maybe not afraid to die. I don't want to leave my kids. Exactly that. That was my main thing. Before I had my son, I was like, oh, I'm not scared to die. Oh, I, don't care about, I don't care about that. I wouldn't wear a seatbelt. I'd put myself in precarious situations every day. Yeah. You have a kid and it's suddenly like, oh, shit, I better not die because this little motherfucker like, can't stand up. He can't hold his fucking head up yet. You know what I mean? If I'm gone, kids take a long time to fucking grow, right? You have a... You have a baby rabbit. That motherfucker can do almost everything a big rabbit can do within like half an hour or some shit, right? <laughs> like the humans take fucking yeah. ages. They can't even stand up for like fucking eight. Like, you know what I mean? Like humans, like they still haven't fucking finished growing when they're like fucking 20 or something. Like it's fucking crazy with humans. They are slow motherfucking creatures. To uh, So you need to hang around. You know what I mean? As, as a father, you need to be there. Otherwise you will suffer the fucking consequences. Um. Akira, do you have any as, as you hit 40, do you have any feelings about where your creativity is going? And does any part of you maybe resents not the right word? Does any part of you think, man, why hasn't the world discovered me yet? Or uh, um Well, I don't know what you mean by well. That you deserve, in the most crass sense, that you deserve more money, you deserve more rewards, you deserve not, deserves not the right word. What am I trying to say? Like, I'll, I'll tell you what I'm thinking. I'm I'm forty. I'm forty nine. I'm. I, I think I'm the greatest interviewer who ever fucking walked the planet, and it's a fucking tragedy that other people that not everyone gets a chance to sit in front of me. 
Yeah, but, I say that with with humility and love. And yeah. I think, but, but my time is running out. That. My time is running out. And, and Joe Rogan and Howard out? Stern are 30 years ahead of me. Say that again. You've got, your time isn't running out there. You've got decades and decades. Yeah. Yeah. How long have you been, how long have you been doing it? Uh, six months. <laughs> uh, no, but I'm like you. I, I, I'm like you. I've been so the day in 1981 or 83 or whatever the year it was when when Apple the day Apple Macintosh came out, my mom who was only making twelve thousand dollars a year as an attorney took me to Macy's and bought me the very first Apple computer the day it came out. Cost it cost one fourth of her fucking yearly income. Flash forward, and I'm a homeless man, and the and, and I have never used a computer in my fucking life, really. And the day Apple releases a laptop and Final Cut Pro, I save. I have every fucking. I, I think maybe I used my girlfriend's credit card at the time to go to the student union at UC Santa Barbara and buy that computer and that software. And just loading the ten DVDs took me two weeks, and I was on the phone with you know what you call it, uh, support computer support for every day for two hours. You know, and I'm a self taught editor, and so since I've been 25, I've been interviewing people on the street. You know, just just tons, tons. I've made. I've interviewed thousands of people i've been filming movies in 100 countries 49 states i mean i've been everywhere but the podcast thing is is relatively new to me i'd say a year isn't that crazy yeah uh, but he was already doing it well that's what you're saying you're young you're a baby you got decades and decades but part decades. of me is, is like yeah part of me is like yeah hey here's the thing I was thinking about it. I, 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 I don't want it to come across like I'm angry or I'm worried. I'm like, because that's not it. I'm having a blast. But another part of me is, is like, man, like I, I could interview. Uh, um, anyway. One, way, one thing you've got to do, if you think that way, it will never happen. And what you want will never come into your life. Right. Right. Uh, that's like rule number one. But you have to, you have to, it's a combination like the rap people, you know, they, they do the fake until you make it. Rick Ross talks about being a millionaire when he's not a millionaire. And then I've interviewed Rick Ross, by the way. I've interviewed Rick oh, Ross. There you go. Fuck you know, Pitbull, <laughs> I remember Pitbull had a song and he was talking about his car and his rims. And then right at the end, he's like, I don't have that shit, but I'm going to say it until I do. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's how it works. Right. And it's similarly, if you're not grateful for what you already have, you'll never get more. Right. And, uh, you got to realize what you have, what I realized, because I spent a long time being resentful. Like, why? And I, I did this, that and the other. So many, so much stuff in my career I did way before it was acceptable to do it. So I was always too early. Right. I was I was doing triplet flows on, on the glitter beat, like 15, 20 years before Kanye West type thing. I was like sampling punk and guitars and stuff like 20 years before Little Peep. And it's, it's now what I was doing in 2005 is now mainstream rap, you know, but like. And I, I was bitter and resentful for a long for a long time. I no longer am. I now I'm now happy and grateful for everything. And it's and the happy, more happy and grateful I am, the more comes to me, and uh, and the better everything is. That's and the true. More shiny and glittering and, and glorious. And what you have to realize is you're already you're already there. You like when you're striving. Yes. And I need this, and yes. I've got to get that. You're, it's it's like the systems versus goals thing. It's like you're not satisfied till you get whatever that thing is you think will make you happy, which never will. But if you're like, shit, I'm already here. Like like you, I was fucking homeless. I was like, I was, I thought that I would never meet anyone who who thought like me or I thought I would never find love. I thought that I would be getting in fights my whole life. I thought I would be in fucking poverty forever, this, that, or whatever. You like, used to fight a lot? 
yeah, I used to fight every day, every day of my life at school. And, um, you know, all these, all these things. And where I am now is everything I dreamed of. So I've already, I'm already yeah. there. Yeah. And like yeah. you and me, we're here, we're talking on the internet. There's like, like, fuck's sake, we would like, when I was a kid, the idea that you could like broadcast to people was that would have been a crazy dream. I yeah. used to make my own comic books. I used to photocopy them. You know, I used to walk around news agents and I'd go in the news agent when I was like 12 or whatever. And I'd like sell them like four or five comics and they'd put them on their magazine rack. I was the happiest guy in the world when like an American comic store agreed to sell a couple of my comics and I sent them and I got some fan mail from somebody who bought one, you know? Now Dude, you just fucking put awesome. that shit on. But now you just put that shit on Instagram or whatever the fuck it is. You know, it's yeah. like, it's a miracle. And what we have already in our respective careers is so much more than any of our ancestors could have ever hoped or hoped for, you know? My granddad was in a concentration camp, for fuck's sake. He got taken by the fucking Russians from his school when he was a teenager and he never saw his family again. You're Jew? Of, You're Jew? Nah, You're Jew? Uh, no, he, he was Polish. Well, oh. but he wasn't a Polish Jew. He was Roman Catholic. Wow. Uh, but like the, Fuck, man, the, the Russians, camps. the communists yeah. took him. So we had the communists yeah. take him and his homies from school. Yeah. You know, but like a couple generations later, here's me. I've got a I'm fucking Mexico making an album every month. I've got fucking hundreds of thousands of people listening, millions of people listening, whatever it is. I even fucking know. It's like 200,000 on Spotify or whatever the fuck. Listeners. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, I was watching there? your minutes. It's crazy. I was like, watching your minutes. Was... Like, oh, I'm yeah. not Michael Jackson. Oh, I'm not this. Oh, I'm not that. Oh, whatever fucking accolade isn't being thrown at me or whatever. But it's like, this is already amazing. And if you just keep, and you know, if I stay uh, true to what it is I I believe and love and, you know, and execute with purity of heart, and work hard as fuck, I will get what I deserve, you know? And what, what I deserve. Do you work, know any work, other way? Do you know not? Do you, Could you possibly not work hard as fuck? No. That's kind of the weird things when you hear about people like David Gawkin, Gog, Goggins or Jocko Willick. Or, that's like the one thing a lot of people don't talk about. Like, I, it, they're always like, you need to work hard. You need to do this. You need to be disciplined. I don't know any other way. Like, I almost need someone to tell me the opposite. You need to not work hard as fuck. You know what I, I mean? Was, like, I'm yeah. like, why are they always saying that? Because, like, I don't know any other way than to um, just to f- grind. That's why you are where you are and you did what you did and you learned what you did. And that's, that's certain people have that. When I was DJing, people, when I was DJing in Hollywood, every every time I DJed and it was like five nights a week, would be like a transcendent experience. And people would come running over going, oh, my God. People would cry on the dance floor. They'd be like, oh, my God, this is the best DJ set I've ever seen. And other DJs would be like, a bit annoyed because they're the DJs who just they have a playlist and they press play and whatever. But it's like, and people would be like, how, how do you have the energy to keep doing this? And every night, and it's like, I couldn't not. I right. couldn't not have a transcendent experience on my dance floor. That would be fucking awful. I'd feel like shit. If people weren't like, you know, fucking seeing God, I've fucking failed. I feel like shit. I can't not do that. I can't not work hard. I can't not keep fucking pushing. All you would time. be making the music even if they weren't listening. When when I was making it when they weren't listening. Yes. You know, and I made it for yes. fucking years and years for fucking not listening. I so. um my whole life. So when I when I was 16 years old, my mom kicked me out of her house and I moved to a, a, a and my dad had an apartment building in a in a crazy fucking part of town on the Oakland Berkeley border. And he moved me into this apartment building there and and the I was I was the only white guy in a all black neighborhood. All other one Chinese guy. The heroin dealer was a Chinese guy. Everyone else was black, and like and like and I come from like the white suburbs, and so every fucking day, every night for basically four years, 
the vast majority, 300 out of the 365 days a year, if I want to be accurate, I would get home from school. I would do whatever I needed to do. Then somewhere around nine o'clock at night, I would go out and I'd start walking around the neighborhood and I would just talk to people and I would make mm -hmm. friends. And I read every book I could on every black leader. I became immersed in the whole black Panther culture, but I, you're, I was interviewing people on my own my whole life. Cause yeah. that's all I ever wanted to do. Is that a crack pipe? How does that work? What do you do if that breaks? How come you can't? Oh, can you smoke marijuana at it? Oh, the bowl's too small? Oh, that's weird. How much does that cost? Why is there a Chinese guy here? How, is that really a dwarf prostitute? I mean, just like the whole fucking like, hey, I got, uh, can we go get 40s? I mean, just my whole life was just immersing and it's. I guess it's always been like that. Yeah. I've just always been interviewing people. I don't know any other thing to do. That's how I get yeah, my yeah. information. You did the thing. Not everyone does the thing. Some people don't do the thing, and that's why they get bitter and resentful because they're not doing the thing they want to do or they're supposed to do. Um, that's the trick. What yeah, did your so, wife do? Uh, right now, she's well. She's she homeschools our kids. She works on the business with on the sort of businessier side of stuff. She's more um, of uh, detail oriented. Is that the word? She's more detail oriented than I am. We're very very balanced. She's like stuff that I'm not good at. She's good at and vice versa. You know what I mean? And, and what time is it there? Uh, shit, it's 11.41. So that? when you get off of this, will you will you then go to her and like take the – I'm assuming she's with the kid? Yeah, they've, they're, yeah, they're at the vet. So after I get off this, yeah, I'll go see those. I'll go hang out with the kid a bit. Uh, I've, got a, I've got a gig this afternoon, so I need to prepare for that and set up the – that stuff that's in here that's a streaming thing for the uh high experience guys um and then i'll hang out go hang out with them some more maybe take the kids to the beach yeah that's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna get off with you and then my, and my wife's with the kids so my wife schooled them this morning and then mm -hmm. the jiu-jitsu instructor comes over and they're rolling right oh, you now gotta go, oh, okay my we go he goes to jiu-jitsu three days a week but he goes to a he goes to a yeah, yeah, we do that. We do that too. We just do it. Do you have a guy come to you? That's both. Nice. Yeah, both. Both. Nice. They get. They have to be able. Akira, they have to be able to defend their pussy. That's right. It's very, very important because if you do, or, not, or their dick, if they end up with dick, but they got to be able to defend something, whatever yeah. they want that other people yeah. want, they got to be able to defend it. You know the fucking vibe. Strong times, weak man, all that shit. Uh, so, but but then, so as soon as I get off with, you, it's, but my, you're, it's interesting because my wife does the same thing. She's the homeschooling shit. She does all yeah. that shit. Like if my kids would, and then I don't even know what they would know if they only had me. But then now I'm going to take them to the beach. It's crazy. Yeah, we have kind and of you know, the same and then thing. My, exactly. And then my wife will be working on app. We've got this vinyl, uh, JVP wave, Alan Watts, a bunch of vinyl that we've spent the past year <laughs> uh, getting making happen we did an indiegogo campaign this time last year to fund production of uh, a couple of albums on vinyl and they're finally arriving she's been dealing with that whole thing for like the whole year like this is the fucking supply chain shit was affecting vinyl quite early so she's just been fucking on that for like a year uh so she'll be dealing with that stuff and a bunch of other shit that uh that i'm happy that my brain i don't have to do yeah. um do you whatsapp Mm -hmm. everyone yeah. in mexico whatsapps that's okay. what everyone uses uh okay. so if you don't like if you're like a zuckerberg purist then it's difficult <clears throat> if you're like you know i don't fuck with the zuck at all it's difficult to communicate with people in in mexico everyone uses whatsapp the dentist uses whatsapp fucking doctors oh but everyone. you but do you or don't you yeah i use it you do okay 
Okay. Um, because the only way I had to communicate with you is through email. Now that you know me, would you would you communicate with me through WhatsApp? Yeah, I'll communicate with you through WhatsApp. We can send each other motiva- <laughs> we can send each other motivational gifts. I I just started using WhatsApp because there's a bunch of people over over <laughs> uh, across the ocean that I've been interviewing. All right. Hey, yeah, it's real um, good for that. Uh, Eric says I learned a lot this morning. Apparently, Daisy Chain is not what I thought it was. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, people spreading a meaning way from coast to coast. Yeah, baby. Real shit. Uh, thank you. I'm going to, um, send you my, um, phone number. I feel like we have, um, uh, a lot of unfinished, um, fun to to share with each other. How do you think about these sorts of conversations? Like (laughs) any section of it could any like fucking little three, three minute section could in itself be, there you go. Very nice. That's delightful. I wasn't going to let you do that by yourself. No, thanks. That would be that would be, <laughs> be Thank uncouth. you, Caleb. <laughs> oh, brother, you're 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 as wonderful as I thought you would be. Um, thank you for uh, sharing the love. That the 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 quote from the entire show should be. Um, 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 I wrote it down. You're taking notes like a fucking scholar. Oh yeah, but I, my my writing so. Uh, uh, shiny beacon of love, uh, a, a shiny beacon of love uh, that uh, manifests uh, a shiny beacon of love and wonder in the world. We 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 all should be a shiny beaken of love of. See, and you're still a, you are still a hippie fuck. Yeah, I know. Still, I am. Still, I am. That's the fucking thing. I told it breaks my heart what they've done. It breaks yeah. my heart what they've done. Yeah, I'm still breaks, the fucking same as I, I was. I, I'm still fundamentally the same principles, etc., that I was when I was a kid. Things shifted around. You know what I mean? That's why you can't be aligning yourself to teams and shit like that or ideologies because you can become prisons of them. And if they then decide they're going to shift them off to do some fucked up, creepy shit, you just go along with it unthinkingly. Yeah. You know, that's why it's very, very important to be graduate marks and don't be joining no fucking clubs that would have you as a member because they traps. They're fucking traps. Stay away from traps. Graucho. Uh, 